I say be happy with what you got. You be happy. Me, I want what's coming to me. Oh, well, what's coming to you, Tony? The world, Chico. And everything in it. can only film in a bathroom stall with Dane DeVito. Small texture room. <laughs> He's a little man. That's all I got. That's all you got. <laughs> Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Fascinated with Films. I like it, man. <laughs> <laughs> got to film in a bathroom stall. Got to go with DeVito every time. <laughs> you heard it here first. Fascinated Him with Films. Paul Williams. Breaking break <laughs> knowledge. Have you seen the new... Uh, uh, I haven't seen anything. You haven't seen anything. You don't even have to continue that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> no, the uh, the new King Kong versus Godzilla trailer? No. Man, I just sent it to you. It's awesome. It looks really, really cool. Uh, they've been nailing these. I don't know how King Kong got it as big as he did, but hey, whatever. <laughs> I have no problem with that. Juicing. It's, he's been juicing. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a hard 2020 for everybody. <laughs> you want to you wanna get big, you got to do the juice. <laughs> Speaking of which, I had heard, I, I listened to Rogan's podcast with The Undertaker. And it was right. like two and a half hours of them talking about injuries. <laughs> and it was so crazy how many injuries he had. And he's like, he's both his eyes, like his eye sockets are gone. He's got mesh behind him. So he's both his eyes have mesh. His shoulder is gone. And it, it's it always really that, uh, that, it's always that situation when he was talking about it where, uh, he it happened like years ago, but he was still wrestling on it and everything. And the doctor's like, "Holy shit, you got like one tiny ligament holding your entire shoulder on." And, and he said, "You need serious surgery, but right now I can just pull it and wrap it real tight and uh, like that. Pull one of the other lig- ligaments tight. And yeah, do that." And he's talking about his knee replacement. How he's pulling like buckets of fluid out of his knee, and then they, uh, they nowadays they can almost rebuild you from scratch. Yeah, the knees and the hips. That, that's what they tell you. Remember when Tommy John surgery was like. 50 50 chance, yeah. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. people are getting it in college before they even go play in the pros. Yeah, I had heard a rumor that people were getting it before they technically needed it because I want to be strengthened. The angel and, 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 yeah, I'll yeah, that's kid. what it was. Remember that? Yeah, movie? yeah, that was shit, a yeah. funny movie. It was fun. Did <laughs> <laughs> you do anything interesting this week or just uh, hang out at home? Um, nothing just interesting. Work. <laughs> I started my new obsession too, and I, I blame the guy. This guy I bought uh, DVDs from, not the South Florida guy that I usually go to, but another guy. I had bought a copy of um, some guy in California. Uh, I bought like four DVDs from him, and one of them was Rudy. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> I already owned it. I wanted to get it from mom. Uh, and uh, when it got here, it came with Rudy, and it came with the, the original motion picture score for it. Like forty minutes long, I put it on and we're listening to it. My my wife loves it. It's the one thing I can put on. She loves it because she'll be like French horns, flute. She'll yeah. be like calling out different instruments and, and no because she used to be in band and everything. And I'm watching it. I'm like getting choked up at the music. I was like, this is this is the scene where he's training right here and he's doing this and everything. And before I know it, I got four more s- soundtracks coming in the mail. So I blame that guy for starting me on my soundtrack kick. Uh, because I want to get them on, I, I would write to them. Uh, I want scores, not soundtracks where there's 
speaking and everything in it. I want, want like Tangerine hand, hand Zimmer. No, well, Tangerine G might take if it was like Legend or one of their big uh, uh, Live and Die in L.A. Uh, maybe, but I ordered uh, for, and they're giving them away. <laughs> That's what makes it a, an exciting <coughs> hobby for sure. Uh, to at least build some, uh, because I have a bunch. Cheap I, hobbies, I like. I write to like uh, I usually write to like Big Trouble in China, Escape from New York, uh, a couple of those different albums. Star I have. Trek. Uh, I don't have a Star Trek one. Yeah, I have a couple on LPs. LPs are a big pain in the ass. Uh, who wants to get up literally 15 minutes after uh, you started to flip it? That's what does it really only go for 15 yeah, it's minutes? Like, when it's you like flip nothing, it? man. Yeah, if you look at some of these uh, those old albums, they're like 30, 35 minutes long. But anyway, so I got like Braveheart. Apparently, is her favorite like soundtrack ever. It's weird that she even knows it. What the hell, Braveheart even she is? Probably never saw the movie. No, no way. Uh, but she loves this uh, the soundtrack, and I, I it's my guy James Horner. And I said I can guarantee you I like it right now because it's weird. I, I can I can listen to Alien soundtrack and hear Wrath of Khan in it, or I can hear uh, some of the Titanic elements and hear James Horner in it. So I ordered uh, Gladiator, uh, all from the same guy. He had like. Buy them for a dollar each, three dollars shipping for one of them, and then you get them. So I got like seven or eight bucks. Is he like, is uh, he just like burning these on his own? Maybe or he's or just got backloads. No one wants CDs anymore, other than like the classic heavy metal or stuff. Really rare ones uh, go for money. Like trying to find like Iron Maiden, you're gonna pay what you paid back in the day for yeah. them. Well, uh, they did so many like. The Tokyo Oh, yeah, yeah. Version. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bootlegs and stuff like that. I want them just to be able to burn them, put them on my iTunes, put them on my iPod so I can listen to them as I write. I snap them in yeah. half and throw them in the trash. So I got, anyways, I got Gladiator. Yep. Um, uh, Saving Private Ryan. That's a good one. Uh, shit, now I got to pull it up. It's right here. Yeah, there's a bunch I own already, but I would, I'm totally do looking forward to them. you have your backed up in the cloud because you'd be lost without Oh, list. I definitely do. I don't have a list for these yet, but... Uh, so Apollo 13, which is one of my favorite scores of all time. Apollo 13, Saving Private Ryan, Superman, and Braveheart. All awesome soundtracks, so I'm thoroughly looking forward to that. It looks like Friday. I'll be jamming out at the house. Yeah. Yeah, about the first one on the list has a soundtrack. You mm-hmm. like that. Hey, good job there, man. You're working us back. Yep. So I, I also wanted to check here, because I usually can keep up with how many directors we've done here. I have my uh, list here. Uh is we've had several of these. If you enjoy this director's pod or if you want to like, go back and wa- uh, listen to some of our previous ones, we have one, two, three, four. This is the 16th. 16th? 16th director's pod we've done. And here's the directors we've done previously if you guys want to go back and check them out. Steven Spielberg, John Carpenter, David Fincher, Quentin Tarantino, the Coen brothers, Martin Scorsese, Oliver Stone, Tim Burton, Stanley Kubrick, Christopher Nolan, Robert Zemeckis, Sidney Lament, Danny Boyle, Francis Ford Coppola, Ron Howard, and now Brian De Palma. Arguably, we probably should have done Brian De Palma uh, earlier on. Yeah. Uh, because Is there one glaring one that we haven't done yet? We uh, did Kubrick, right? Yeah, we did Kubrick. Um, uh, th- there's a bunch. I have a list, the <laughs> same list right here, it has <laughs> ones that I'm. Uh, so the I have like what's the biggest? I have five. The biggest uh, that we haven't done. Yet. They're all pretty big, to be honest with you. So uh, Ridley Scott, we haven't done. We haven't done uh, Clint Eastwood. Uh, we haven't done John Hughes, mm-hmm. Richard Donner, or Walter Hill. Okay. All three of those guys are huge. So we, those will be coming up in the in probably this year because we do them like Walter every Hill's couple months. Forty eight hours. Forty eight hours. Red Heat. Yes. Uh, Warriors. All, all those things. Uh, Chicago police officer never gives up. <laughs> Here you go. It's <laughs> <laughs> Blucci, man. Uh, <clears throat> this is arguably. Probably my favorite directors of all time. It's it's hard. I would be able to do like a top five. 
uh, Sc- Scorsese, Kubrick, Brian De Palma, John Carpenter. Um, damn, man. Uh, so many great directors out there. Quentin Tarantino. Uh, those are all directors that I just absolutely love for many different reasons. And we'll be talking about a lot of Brian De Palma. We're going to be talking about his this great cinematography and the eye he has. Because mm-hmm. there is like literally one shot from every movie yeah. that's like blow your mind. Holy shit. If, you, if you're if you an actor in this movie ambitious. and you fuck up the take. The, the one for Snake Eyes is literally insane. But... When you go back and you watch it, it there is cuts there, but there's they only there's, there's only like it, with a whip, uh, there are only like three or four cuts in that whole opening ten minute scene. And of it's only Nicholas because someone screwed up. And <laughs> even between those cuts, each one is like two and a half minutes long. It's like Jesus, dude. I said the setups for that. Then again, when you're done with those big shots, you're probably, probably done for the day. done for the day. You know, you're or you obviously done for the week. <laughs> obviously you can uh, <laughs> you can do pickups and stuff for little things. But it's one of those things. Coverage is a bitch. So it, it, he's almost a genius for figuring out how to avoid doing coverage. <laughs> you know, he just this is where the camera is. There's actors that are going in the background yeah, yeah. and everything, and you just hit your mark and you do what you're supposed to do, and then we can move on from there because. I'm telling you, for someone who did coverage, for actors too, it's got to be boring as shit. Oh, I got to say that line for the 40th time now in a different inflection type of deal. So it's a pain in the ass. Has uh, De Palma always been one of your major dudes? He, I'm pretty sure it is for mom because every time I'd lend her a De Palma movie, she's like, I love it. I liked his later stuff more than. Well, I guess I liked. Yeah, he's, he started right out. He he was from that school of friends that were that all went to, uh, I think it's UCLA, uh, with uh, Spielberg, Francis Ford Coppola, George Lucas. Uh, all four of those guys made a like, lot of money. Were, were big friends together. There's a very famous kind of thing where uh, when De- Brian De Palma was casting for Carrie, George Lucas was casting for Star Wars, and they both like had the same people read for uh, both uh, read for both so uh, what's his name William Cat, who eventually went been, to Carrie could have been Hansel could have been Hansel read for Hansel you could pull up the clip of yeah, him yeah. speaking for Hansel it's really, it's really cool that they allowed that I like the SNL ones the SNL one the fake one where they, they had people reading they said like here's the lost takes it's oh, like I can't remember that it, it's is like the, here's is that Jack when Adam Lemon Driver reading was on? for was Jack when Adam Driver was on maybe I can't no remember. this is older oh, than old, that old, huh? cause someone played Jack Lemon like what the hell is a Wookiee yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious I have to pull that up uh, <coughs> so it's great it, it's interesting that all those actors and obviously early on these are very Nancy Allen uh, heavy because he ended up marrying Nancy Allen between Carrie and Dressed to Kill, I think. No, maybe it was from Dressed to Kill, the blowout. He ended up marrying uh, Nancy Allen. And uh, she didn't do a whole hell of a lot after that. Uh, she had a resurgence with Robocop, to be honest with you, because no one expected her to get that role in Robocop she as, as the partner. She was a way better actress in Robocop than she was in Blowout. Her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love Blowout. It's it's actually. You st- I was. No, we'll, don't we'll get into start it with that. Much. I don't want to get. I'll get to it. We'll start back at the beginning because this one is one that I lent you and I had seen clips from it when I was younger but I never had gone through it but I I owned it I remember picking it up a couple years ago I was like oh that's one of De Palma's first yeah. movies you would I almost never associate this style of movie yeah. the shots you can because I yeah, see yeah, a lot yeah. of shots oh yeah 
But the style of movie, you would almost never... Yeah, the, it kind like, of goes against him. And we're leaving some... Obviously, we're leaving a bunch of De Palma movies off are. here. We're going to try to... Yeah, well, we're going to keep it to I'm 10. Uh, these these are 10 that really show... We're not going to talk about Body Double, even though I like it uh, a lot. We're not going to talk about Casualties of War, just because mainly it's a bummer, and we've talked about it before. It's a bummer. It's a bummer. And uh, what was the other one? A Mission, Mission Impossible, Impossible. Uh, which is great, but uh, and it's very... It has a lot of De Palma-type stuff in it. Really, De Palma. It, I, that's what I love about De Palma. He has a strong stamp and there's not many directors like you can watch a Ridley Scott movie the whole movie and not realize it's Ridley Scott you know but you cannot get that far into a De Palma movie without being like holy shit no one does Dutch angles like this yeah. like you think Raising Cain yeah. when they're doing like crazy angles of John Lithgow you're like oh this is clearly De Palma and those tracking shots you and me notice that type of stuff I have a feeling a lot of people just are not even paying attention to where the cuts are and everything his camera moves more than a lot of people's yeah yeah move. he's very methodical at how he does that so we're gonna talk. We're gonna start with, uh, like I said, I had seen clips early, and when I rewatched it a couple weeks ago, I remember turning to my wife and says, "I almost, I hate myself for not seeing this until now because this is the movie I probably would have seen fifty times by now, uh, because it's so weird and it's so crazy and it's nineteen seventy four's Phantom of the Paradise." What do you think of it? I thought it was good. Yeah, it was it weird. Was weird. <laughs> it was weird. But but you can immediately get the idea. And it was a cult movie, apparently very similar to uh, Rocky Hour Picture Show. And I would definitely be more of a Phantom of the Paradise guy than the Rocky Hour Picture Show guy. I I recognize the guy playing the Phantom. He was in a from... Seinfeld episode. Remember, he's the one that was selling the uh, the toupees to George, and he got I angry at from. Um, he was one of the henchmen from uh, Man with One Red Shoe. Oh really? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was one of the damn. Yeah, one of the. And he's that lanky guy. Yeah, but I think he got picked. He must have gotten picked one. He was he, his eyes bugged out. Oh yeah, yeah. So when he had that mask on, he looked crazy. The mask is crazy. If if you don't and I don't know if this was on the front cover. I think it was. If that wasn't on the front cover to get people around it, I don't know what. This would is be a because... cult movie, rock opera. Yeah. In the realm, it's but it's, it's Faust a retelling of Faust, yeah, and Phantom of the Opera, yeah, and Phantom of the Opera. If you together. if you mix those two, and it's got Paul Williams in it, if you very, very he wrote the script, yeah, he wrote, wrote the, the script, script and he wrote all the music for it. And if you're yeah, not familiar with Paul Williams, if if you're as old as me and Dave are at seventy, uh, what seventy three and seventy five, uh, you know who Paul Williams I'm not are. Seventy three, uh, no, nineteen seventy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then uh, you probably. I've recognized him. I mean, he's four foot eleven. A lot of people, like you said earlier, they would probably know him from Smoking the Bandit. All three, yeah. You know, the Smoking the Bandit. He played little Bur- Burdette. You know, he those two the, people that put him on the. Uh, he was the one always trying to. I want a speedier car. Yeah, a lot speedier than that. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> he does that noise. I loved him in that man. But he was on the Muppet Show and everything, and we had looked up his songs. A lot of famous songs. He wrote a lot of famous songs for people for the Carpenters and everything. He was uh, Andy Warhol's. Minder in the doors. He was what? He was in the doors. The he movie was, or the yeah the actual doors. No, he was in the movie The Doors. Okay, and I think he was one of the he was like the spokesperson for Andy Warhol's character. Interesting. In oh yes, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he's talking he to was, him and explaining to yeah, him what Jim Morrison uh, how, does. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's crazy. I forgot he was in that. Uh, yeah, so like Dave said, it's a rock opera. Faust is like somebody. I mean, that, he had big major major music. Accreditations. Oh yeah, the oh, Carpenters. Yeah, yeah. The Carpenters. What he did that Rainbow Connection. Yep. 
It was uh, Three Kermit Dog the Frog. Night. <laughs> and Three Dog Night, he did a Rainbow song. Rainbow Connection is probably still That's making a big money, song, man. man. It's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't be knocking that song. I wouldn't knock Even Rainbow the Kermit Connection. version. Yeah. I mean, he wrote it for Kermit. He didn't, he didn't sing that shit. I mean, he probably did if he did, like... Uh, he sang all the songs in yeah, on, the when Yeah, when he toured and shit like that, I'm no, sure that, he did. Oh, in this, this movie. movie, yeah, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, and the Faust story is basically uh, someone who sells his soul to the devil yeah, to get the I mean, they almost, used, they almost did some of it in Old Brother were out there with that black guy characters. It's they true. met him at the crossroads, and he Very wanted true. to be a musician. He sold his soul yeah. to the devil and signed the contract in blood. So this is about a guy who's writing these incredible songs and uh, the really great songs, but uh, he's not getting any. He's not getting any love for him. And then when he finally gets noticed, they wanna they wanna have that poppy group do it, and he's like, "Fuck no!" Remember, he throws a fit. Yeah, I love the whole thing where he goes to jail and he has, breaks out of jail, and it, it's a huge he gets kind his of face pressed in the record pressing machine. Yep, and that's what kind of uh, disfigures, disfigures him. him. So that's where the kind of Phantom of the uh, Opera thing comes on. He ends up living at the Paradise, which the Paradise is a like uh, a club, like Club Fifty Four type of thing, and you got to be a certain type of person to get Studio, in. Studio Fifty Four. Uh, that's right. And uh, but then at some point, uh, well, always Paul Williams is always disfigured too, right? That no. happened early on, or did that happen later? Later. Yeah. Only so Paul Williams sold his soul to the devil. Yeah. Two. Yeah, to stay well, young. Basically, his, that's his story. So, and the other one is the Phantom of the Opera. The and then the girl, yep, Phoenix. She sold her soul to the yep. devil. So it was like just characters that all had sold their souls. Yeah, to and the you devil, didn't realize it. And, it was, uh, uh, some they of the locked him up. Remember, he locked him up in the room and made him write. Made that. him write, and he was up, and then he would sneak out to see people and stuff. It was it was crazy, and I love the the production design. That table that he sat at that was a big record. And he was like in the middle of the record, and it was all around him. It was just like in a crazy uh, scene. Or the the he almost turned those women into like his concubines. Remember, he had all the women yeah. come in, and they're all like uh, rolling around in the bed with him. And it, you know it had what? A very... I think I'm confusing the guy that played the guy from One Red Shoe. I think was the guy that played Beef. I know the guy. I know one of the guys. Not the guy. Uh, not Noonan. You're not confusing him with Noonan, right? No. Uh, Tom Noonan. No. Okay. No. Yeah, I'll have to look him up. But the uh, guy that played Beef was kind who's of Beef? Funny. He was the he was the musician they brought in. Oh, to he's do awesome! It. I love that guy. He's from Terror Vision, and he's from uh, Chud too. He played Bud the Chud. But I think he's he the guy I'm thinking awesome. of from when one. Or two. He might be my favorite thing about this movie, actually, and I'm glad you mentioned him because I, I don't know why I would have went right by him. Uh, he is so funny in everything. He has those like uh, really thyroid thyroidy yeah. eyes, yeah. so they're kind of bugging out a little bit. And I'm sure he's still around. He's been he's a character actor in a lot of old campy movies and horror movies and stuff. But he plays this when you see him on screen for the first time he's this like super butch we're gonna do this we're gonna do that and then when he's at uh in his uh in his like dressing room he's very flamboyantly yeah, uh gay little. and i love the scene that i saw from terry the Isles where he's in the bathroom singing these songs and he starts singing one of phoenix's song and all of a sudden the the phantom comes out of nowhere and takes a plunger and puts it up against his mouth and says, no one else sings uh my songs but phoenix anyone who does uh, who tries dies and then he's <laughs> then he wants Leaving, to quit yeah <laughs> he's grabbing a meatloaf that was the playing the big guy? Uh, no, he he's good. I looked him up, and he had been in a bunch of different movies and everything. But so he I reminded me of Meatloaf. Uh, I wasn't. He definitely, if they were going to do a reboot of it, they shortly could use him. Man, they should be bringing this to, uh, to Broadway? off Broadway or on Broadway for sure. Absolutely, it would be super I'm sure popular. It's been talked about. But I love when Beef dies on the, on the, 
on the stage mm-hmm. where he's getting electrocuted, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he just like distorts his face as he's dying and everything. And there's there's a lot of weird kind of sexual kind of death going on in this I mean, movie. The name of the record company is Death. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's weird because you do this as your first, basically his first movie, and it kind of sometimes when you do that as an early director, it sets the tone for the rest of your career. I did catch one mistake. Oh yeah. Um, Paul Williams is doing a press conference about holding a live show at the Paradise, yeah. setting it up. And he's at the airport, and they have him in front of a podium, a big white podium. And it was blank when he shot when they shot it. They yeah. tried to go back and put the upside-down Dead Bird logo yeah, yeah, yeah. from the death on the podium. Mm-hmm. But whoever did it didn't do it right. And, and it was like moving. <laughs> it was like moving around while he was talking, and you're like, "What is going Had on?" Did you right tough now? stuff in the uh, '70s? I'm gonna have to get rid of that uh, that wind chime there. All right, this next movie here. This is his, this is probably his big dog. I mean, you could go a couple different ways with what his big dog is, but it certainly made him famous and allowed him to do whatever the hell he wanted to do afterwards. I mean, big dog is. Far as coming out, or is, I mean, yeah, the biggest I guess movie he on. made probably isn't even on this list. I would imagine Mission Impossible probably made his most money. Yeah, you're probably right, and he probably didn't like it. I'm sure he didn't <laughs> like it because you got to deal with it, Tom Cruise. I mean, it's somebody else's property. He doesn't really do that a whole lot. I mean, he yeah. did it with the Untouchables and everything, but other than that, I mean, it's most. I of mean, it's, it's the same thing that a lot. I of suppose Carrie that. obviously is Stephen King's property, but he was given levity to do a lot of different stuff. With I mean, Carrie. you can do yeah, Stephen King stuffs usually. Yeah. So 1976, Carrie. Why don't you tell us uh, tell you. some of your favorite stuff about Carrie? Obviously, we know the story. Telekinetic girl. She's going crazy. She's got to kill everybody. <laughs> don't be a bully. <laughs> Let's move on. All right, let, me, let me grab this uh, wind chime while you right, tell us. I'll be here. Yeah. I'll be waiting. I'll, I'll talk like this, and then you and then I'll you can. I'll be banging. <laughs> I, actually, I actually explained that scene to my wife the other day. <laughs> Rise up. i be banging. <laughs> the... Um, I remember mom used to watch The Greatest American Hero. Yeah. William Catt. And that's where I remember him from. It was a great, probably not. If we go back and rewatch it, it's probably cheesy as shit. It was a silly, silly show. Uh, He was a superhero. They couldn't, he lost he the instructions. Fly. He lost the instructions. He Is found, that why he couldn't? Yeah, yeah. He found the, he got found the suit, but he lost the instructions for yeah. it. So he never knew mm-hmm. how to use it. Why didn't you just go to an empty field and practice I, I, for a that's, half hour? He tried I mean, to, but I think he got he, I think he got his ass handed to him too many times when he was just falling and everything. So, yeah, William Cat, like we low, said. Low. So this was up for the same people in this movie were up for all the same stuff in Star Wars. So we could have very possibly have seen Carrie Fisher dumping blood on somebody or yeah, uh, my first <laughs> introduction to uh, Piper Laurie. Oh, man. who was one of my She's favorite so good. actresses she was great in, uh, from Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. Yeah, she was great in Twin Peaks. Even as the fat Asian dude. Yeah. <laughs> she was even better than that. So weird. <laughs> it's such a weird series. Uh, <laughs> really? I love Carrie. I, I, we've mentioned before that we weren't allowed to watch it back in the day, but our dad took the liberty of jumping through it and showing us the most horrific scenes where we're like, why can't we watch this now? I, what did he skip? Uh, he's always afraid. I'm telling you, he was always nudity. afraid of nudity. That's what it was. But there was no nudity other than the beginning. I think, just the beginning when they were all in the showers and everything, and she got her period. But uh, he showed us the the Piper Laurie death scene where, where oh, Carrie's throwing, throwing the, the potato peeler and the knives and, the, and, the, knives and yeah. scissors across the room. And then he showed us the jump scene at the end where the hand comes out of the grave, and we all jumped and he laughed and he thought it was great. <laughs> So, I, I mean, that's how we saw a lot of these old horror movies back in the day. Either Terran the Isles really 
probably changed our life more than we thought it, it did because we saw so much stuff we weren't allowed to see. Because I remember arguing with him, why can't I see The Shining? I've seen all the scenes on Terror in the Isle. He's like, well, there's a lot more on the, on the movie than there is in there, and it's uh, not appropriate for, I don't know, how old. However old I was, so you sh- yay you for tearing the aisles. You should have had Justin's dad. I know, man. If I had Justin's dad, we'd be watching some Tracy Lord shit right now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or at least the beginning of Carrie. Uh, I, I love Carrie, man. Carrie's got a certain it's feel. A classic to it. bully story yep. and classic revenge story. It is a classic revenge story for sure. And we'll try to remember when we're talking about each of these to to pull out the that De Palma shot. And some of them are a lot more noticeable than others. This one obviously was when they first got to the prom. Yeah, if, if you, and the, I like the overhead bucket of blood. Yeah, I mean shot. that that's where it started. It started with the opening of the prom. The camera went all through the crowd, and then it went up to the stage, and then it went up that rope, and mm-hmm. then. All along the trellis to where uh, to where John Travolta and Nancy Allen are just sitting and waiting the to poor pull that ramp on. Killed the one that yeah. sort of helped her more I, than anybody I, else. I get angry and I'm very excited about that at the same time. You know, is that when the sign or something <laughs> came sign, down the, and got uh, her, or the, the uh, scaffolding or something no, came it was swinging the, uh, down? The basketball hoop. Oh, okay. Yep, the basketball hoop came broken half. Very uh, and it, got her in the stomach. It was like. It was almost very final destination. Did they use a lot of, because you probably saw it before me, uh, did they use a lot of spritz, split screen and Phantom uh, of the Paradise? Or uh, any at yeah, all? Yeah, they used some. They did, okay. Mm-hmm. Because this is where I really noticed it. When when Carrie started killing people at the prom, they went total split screen. Yeah. And so we got to see her just moving along and everything. Which and, it has to be done right to, for it to be effective, and he does it. Oh, it's so good. The the one of There's a couple scenes in this that I just I remember and I just love so much, and I find. Like, the death of Travolta in the car when she's walking home. She's like, I've killed everyone at the fucking school. Now I'm just going to walk home in blood in like a complete trance basically and was probably content with not killing anyone else until Travolta uh, and Nancy Allen came at her with the car and she just did that that look and that that jump, that three jump mm-hmm. that they, he does, boom, 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 yeah. onto her face. And, uh, man, it's, it's such amazing shots. If, if you can't get anything else from De Palma, I mean, this movies that he, like the femme fatale later in his career, and there were a couple other ones later in his career that I was like, uh, all right, they weren't that good, but the shots were amazing. I was like, at least you got those it's De Palma shots, that man. That was probably what It's weird that most people maybe. don't try that, or maybe they do, and they just don't realize, it realize how hard it is, and it's not as effective as when he does it. You know, I mean, there's a reason why some people do it and continue to do it. It's because they're good at it. Yeah. Anything else from Carrie that you find uh, um, great? I, there was a um, what was the? I think there was a story that I had. I was just thinking of telling about Carrie. What the hell was it? Uh, oh, did you see? Uh, have you seen a lot of the? There's so many, and I catch them on Twitter all the time. Uh, behind the scenes footage of uh, footage of uh, just photos of uh, I'm sure video too, but the photos is what I see of Sissy Spacek on the set and she's so happy. She's she's like ear to ear smiles and she's having such a great time. So it's amazing watching her in that as that uh that character. Awkward goofy looking. Which is weird because that's kid. like the only time she ever played a character like that. She was very cognizant of not doing that. Maybe it just happened to be that way in her career. Uh I know she was played married a lot of strong characters She was married on. at the time to one of the he was on the crew. It was somebody that was also because I remember seeing the documentary about it and he said, hey, they're they're reading for this Stephen King thing. You need to try out for it and everything. And then she went in and she tried out for it and nailed it. Uh, but, yeah, I 
I loved her in this, and I loved her in everything she's in. Sissy Spacek became like a fucking household name. One of the best things I see, I saw her in that she's never going to get enough credit for because it just it came and left so quick was that TV show Castle Rock. Uh, she played somebody with Alzheimer's, and uh, she was completely out of her mind at some point, and we're seeing it from her point of view so there's episodes where you don't know what's real and what's not and she's got this weird thing where she takes uh chess pieces and hides them around the house because once she sees one she can grab it in her hand and she can hold it and she knows this is real and uh there was some moments in there she ended up she thought someone was in the house (laughs) and she ended up murdering somebody in the house that she didn't realize she thought it was somebody else and it was so crazy so we got to see her kind of like descent in the madness and it was really great to see her in that role I mean, obviously, she got famous uh, for Coal Miner's Daughter and a whole bunch of different stuff she had been in. But I always liked her. I loved her in uh, Blast from the Past. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. With Brendan Fraser and uh, Sissy Spacek and Christopher Walken were his parents, and they were underground in the bomb shelter they for like agree. 30 years. And then after the Cuban Missile Crisis was over, they opened the door, and uh, Brendan Fraser came up. That's where he's walking down the street, and he's like, oh, my God, a Negro. <laughs> he goes up to the uh, the, uh, the black male, uh, male lady <laughs> and says, excuse me. <laughs> so funny man uh but i love carrie okay check it out this next one also one i love 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 nancy travis was great in this movie man uh dressed to kill another nancy allen uh nancy what i say karen allen? travis nancy you travis. said Na- you said nancy travis nancy travis karen allen nancy allen man it's hard to keep all three of them straight nancy allen <laughs> also a great terror in the aisles actress she uh she was a, one of the narrators with donald pleasant's on oh, yeah. terror in the aisles she was great uh i loved her in dressed to kill man this was such a great movie. I, this was not his first kind of forte into the split personality kind of things, and I'm kind of ruining it. I'm time. ruining it by saying it's split personality uh, just off the bat, but that's kind of what we're dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, we're, we're going to not spoil the, the whole kind of thing that happens at the end, but it's such a fabulous movie. It's also the first time he's worked with a lot of these key actors. His first, Dennis Franz, and I love Dennis Franz, man. I mean, you, you hire Dennis Franz, you're getting what you what you want. You know, he's that rough. You you get that diehard to uh, get out of my freaking airport type character, you know, and or I also think obviously I think NYPD Blue and stuff. But I loved him in Dress to Kill as that cop that how am I supposed to believe you when this shit's going on type of deal. And uh, Keith Gordon, it was one of his first movies, and he was huge in the 80s. Uh, we know him from uh, Christine. He's the dorky kid from Christine. He's the dorky kid from Back to School. My, uh, Heavenly Kid? No. no, that's Jason Gedrick. That's uh, the Iron Eagle dude. Uh, that's the Iron Eagle kid, who, who arguably did not stay geeky for long. Keith Gordon <laughs> still stayed geeky. But Keith school. Gordon became a, uh, what's that? He was Back to School kid. He was a back to school okay. kid, yeah. And uh, he was in a bunch of movies back in the day. And then... Um, seen uh no it was some other movie i was thinking of but he became a director i know he directed like a slew of dexter tv really? shows and a whole bunch of other stuff so he was great in this too and obviously angie dickinson but i remember watching the the making of this and she wanted to make it abundantly clear because the movie starts with this very like explicit so, yeah dad wouldn't let uh, us see this movie. no this was a very <laughs> explicit like uh, shower scene it was actually oh, yeah. a dream sequence but it didn't matter obviously she's having and it's way angie t- she was having a lot of fun and taking the shower yeah she was like very <laughs> masturbatory in the uh shower and she's her husband's shaving close by and she's like uh, I mean, who? And she made it very clear that this was a body double. She, she even in the documentary, it was great. She's, she says, I read the script and then I went to Brian. I said, Brian, 
there's like beaver shots in this. He's like, I can't do this. And they were like, well, we, we can get a, a, a body double for you. And she was like, yeah, you're going to have to if this is what you want. <laughs> and I bet now she's like, look how great I looked. Back I mean, then. whoever it was <laughs> looked, looked good. They clearly hadn't invented razors um, uh, much. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, I mean, it's 1980. Uh, but she's like soaping her boobs up like right on screen, like fully on screen. You just see soapy boobs. And then <laughs> someone comes behind her and grabs her mouth and you don't know what's going on. And then uh, Angie Dickinson actually wakes up and she's having like uh erotic dream. She no, she's having sex with her husband, but it's like very rudimentary. I think she's thinking <laughs> of what she wanted to happen. Mm. And I love the stuff with her and it. it's really slow at the beginning of the movie, you know, the Angie Dickinson stuff. Not until Angie Dickinson dies, about twenty five minutes into the movie, uh does the movie like take off. But do you remember the the, the, the whole el- seduction scene? scene? Yeah, before that, do you remember the seduction uh-uh. scene at the uh, the museum? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she's yeah. basically unhappy. She goes to her therapist, who's Michael Caine, and she's she's basically w- is willing to throw herself at Michael Caine. She's like, "You find me attractive? Do you want to sleep with me?" And Michael Caine's like, "Yeah," and he's like, "Well, why don't you?" He says, "Because I'm married and I don't want to jeopardize my relationship." So from there, she goes to the <laughs> the museum just to like meet some guy on a. They didn't have uh, uh, it, they didn't it was grinder or. This was a great, there were several great tracking shots in this, but the one of her in the museum was really good because she, she's flirting with this guy and then she loses her glove and he picks it up and then Rembrandt comes up to her and puts his hand on her shoulder and she feels weirded out and then kind of walks away and they, they're trying to find each other in the museum and then she goes outside and he's in the cab and she's holding, he's holding her glove out and he comes up to her and they go in the, he, she goes into the cab and she just starts uh, making out with the guy and goes back to his house and sleeps with him. So the, the next shot, and this is like the killer, man. This is, this is one of those uh, Twilight Zone type, not obviously supernatural Twilight Zone moments, but she's leaving and she's going through his desk to find paper to leave him a note. And she finds a medical document in there that says he has contracted VD, venereal disease. And the music kicks in her eyes and she's all flustered. And then she leaves and goes down in the elevator but realizes she forgot her fucking she's forgetting her glove she's forgetting her wedding ring apparently she took her wedding ring off at this guy's house she's got to go up the elevator to get her wedding ring back at the same time nancy allen is leaving some meeting with a guy and they're waiting for a uh, elevator and as the elevator door opens when it gets to the guy's uh floor this uh Really large, they fuzz out the woman's face, but it's a large woman is on the outside with a straight razor, and it's such a great scene, man. That scene I could just watch over and over and over again because a lot of it is t- uh, shown through that, what do they call it? It's like a little reflection. mirror. That reflection the, in that little the, mirror that's in the uh, elevator yeah, to mm-hmm. let you know who's outside, or it might have been outside the elevator. That makes more sense. Uh, <laughs> fabulous scene, man. And then it that goes all the way down to, so Nancy Allen had witnessed somewhat the murder she saw the body and then she saw that somebody was in the elevator yeah still yeah. she didn't get in yeah came close she looked up in the mirror saw the uh the person's face with sunglasses on and she's like oh, i'm getting the fuck out of here and she went to the cops and that's where she ends up running into keith gordon because it was his mom that died and uh dennis franz is telling us what's going on michael kane shows up and says what was going on at the session and everything and then michael kane gets this crazy call on his answering machine and says doctor i had to borrow your straight razor i know i, I said i wasn't going to do this again or something but i had to do it and then all of a sudden michael kane goes over to his case opens it up straight razor's missing he's like oh jesus michael kane's got like a crazy fucking patient that's uh off killing Shouldn't people have a straight razor. and uh remember how smart keith gordon is he sets up that crazy camera mm-hmm. 
outside the doctor's office because yeah, he wants to know one of the patients. He, he thinks another patient killed yeah. her, and he wants to know on the days where his mom was supposed to be there, or on the the upcoming days, who's showing up at the doctor's office. So he's taking these quick pictures. He's got it set up on this timer and everything, and it's really cool. Goes all the way down to this crazy, crazy ending, man. With Keith Gordon and uh, Nancy Allen have to team up together and uh, just figure out what's going on. I won't ruin the ending for you, but it's fabulous. Dressed to kill, man. So good. Yep. All right, this next one. This was a movie that I I absolutely loved, but the first time I watched it, I didn't love it as much because I think I was early on. I couldn't appreciate it. It's probably my favorite John Travolta movie, to be honest with you. Yeah. It, it has a lot of elements from The Conversation, which is the Gene Hackman mm-hmm. movie, uh, in a different way. He was spying on people using his sound equipment. In this movie, it was uh, John Travolta... Uh, uh, record, he, was a, he was a Foley artist. He was a sound guy. Yeah, he was for, a sound guy for Foley artists, and he created Foley noises and everything like that. It, yeah, Nancy Ella's performance in this is a little strange. I don't know uh, if it was her performance. I think it was just the way her character was written. Yeah, I get it. Her I character get it. was she was annoying. She was annoying and dumb for sure. Annoying and very dumb. Yeah, like you won't see, you wouldn't see that character today being played because it would almost seem yeah, like they're the just making fun of somebody. Like, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not playing that play thing. That it's like. Kira Knightley came out and said, uh, "Oh, she's not going to. She's do not going to do another sex scene directed by, by a, a man uh, again." I was like, "Hey, I mean, that's up to you. If you were that big, you can make those." Too. Yeah, I guess. If I'm directing a movie and I need a nude scene in, I'll have the first AD, yeah. who's a female, go in there and uh, direct you. That's cool. <laughs> it's hard enough just getting somebody to do those scenes in movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she is willing. Uh, uh, so what's going on in Blowout is, yeah, so Travolta is a um, a sound guy. And I love how throughout that, that ending, man, with the and I don't want to ruin it, but the ending with the scream thing, mm-hmm. so great. That, that's one of my he, most enjoyable he, I, I almost was like, he wouldn't have done that. Oh, I like that he did, though. <laughs> I like that, I he, liked did. that he did. But, <laughs> and he's just smoking the cigarette. Yeah. Good scream, good scream. Oh, it's one of my favorite De Palma endings for some reason. I don't know why. I really love. I don't normally like Travolta, so that's like a big thing for me to really enjoy him in this movie. He plays manic at times. He's trying to figure things out. No one's going along with him on anything, and uh, so he's going out and he's trying to get. Was it wind? He's trying to get just nature sounds. Just he nature had the sounds. owl. He was recording. Yeah, he's wind. got that great he, like. What is well, what kind he, of mic is that? He was out there, uh, shotgun mic. Yeah. And he was out there to try to get wind sounds because the director from the scene earlier, he's like, use the same wind sound every single goddamn time. Why don't you yeah. change some of your Foley sounds? It's like, who the hell cares? No one's paying attention to that. Yeah. He's like, just change it. So he went out there, just to, just happened to be in the one place at the right time. Yeah. And I don't know how much you want to... No, you can tell. It's this scene. It's the beginning. No, I know, but how much of the involvement of the other Dennis Franz and Nancy Well, Allen. no, you can tell that. You can tell so that. So the, the, all of a sudden this car comes... Barreling down the road, he's recording it. He's recording time. it the whole time. The audio, obviously, the audio. not the video. And he sees the car. He think he at first it's like that car had a blowout, went off the road into the river. He yeah. jumps in without yeah. even thinking about it and fishes out uh, Nancy Allen. Yeah. She's in the car with a guy, yeah. and you don't know who the guy is. And he come to find out, to save her. He was come to find out. He saves her and come. To, they do. He gets to the hospital and you can tell that someone's doing damage control because it was somebody important and it yeah, turns yeah. out it was like was it a senator that was, it was like gonna senator, run for yeah. president one <laughs> yeah, day yeah it was a politician like high-end politician and then you sort of find out that 
that. Well, Dennis Frank came forward and says, "Yeah, I was there. I, was, I filmed it. I I snapped photos of it and everything. And they did a really cool thing where Travolta got a hold of the photos and matched oh, yeah, it up yeah. with his mm-hmm. audio. So then it was basically like a video, and he was able to to see." Uh, the the gun flash to realize the blowout happened, but it wasn't until after the uh, it was shot out, and uh, which leads us to a great character and probably the first time he's used him in any of his movies was John Lithgow, mm-hmm. who really reminded me of the Max von Sydow character from Three Days of the Condor. Remember that Max von Sydow ca- character was the assassin oh, yeah, 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 yeah. that came with a in. lot of morals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end, he was yeah, like, yeah. he's like my. My contract's done, man. Yeah. See ya. See ya. <laughs> that's kind of how that it. My that's kind of how it felt. Movie. Oh, he was so good. That's one of my favorite Max Gonzalez movies that people never think of. Uh, really good movie. Three Days um, in the Condor. The Stephen King one's still my favorite. Oh yeah, Needful Things. I like the Seventh Seal Man, where he's uh, that old school one when he was like twenty five and he was playing chess on the beach. The black and white uh, Ingrid Bergman movie where he was playing chess on the beach with the with death. Uh, a really good one with yeah, Max Vaughn. Obviously, Exorcist 2. Uh, we're not talking uh, Max Vaughn. Let's talk John Lithgow, though. He's great in this movie, man. This was early John Lithgow, so I'm sure we had... I'm not sure what's the first thing we saw John Lithgow in. Mm. Maybe Harry and the Hendersons. Maybe. It's possibly it was Harry and the Hendersons, or unless we had seen Twilight Zone? Garp, we had seen before then. Obviously, Twilight Zone, the movie. Those were his early 80s stuff, and then the 90s, obviously, Ricochet. I think Mom told me the other day that it was he's one of her favorite actors of all time. Uh, apparently he's playing uh, in the Crown. He plays Churchill. Yeah, so him and ten other famous actors have played yeah. Churchill. But pick your, pick who you. Anytime you is. do that, you got people like Kenneth Brown that's going to show up. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. He's getting in on that <laughs> yeah. audition. Michael Caine's probably going to get in uh, on that audition. So this movie similar to Dress to Kill when the kid and Nancy Allen, where, where Keith Gordon and Nancy Allen team up, similar to this, Nancy Allen teams up with John Travolta, and like you reluctantly, said, yeah, reluctantly, she just she is annoying as fuck. <laughs> she, she's just annoying, and but he wants to help her. He kind of wants to. Uh, I mean, they do have kind of a romantic kind of thing going on, and everything he cares for a little bit, <laughs> at least a little bit, and. It, it's some fabulous stuff that comes out. You realize Dennis Franz was kind of in on something that he wasn't supposed to be in on, and then uh, I, he wasn't out there just taking photos. He was out there for kind of a blackmail but situation going on. But he also knew on. more about yep. what had happened than he originally told me. Really Alan. cool, man. There was a moment where Travolta, and it was one of my Did favorite De moments. Did Palma write this one? It's a good question. I'm not sure how many of his movies he even wrote, but... Yeah, he might have wrote this one. You have to check it up. Uh, there's a great moment in Travolta where he realizes that someone went in with a magnet and like erased oh, all man. his audio equipment, and he's freaking out. And it's got that great above the uh, uh, kind of uh, drop ceiling. above the uh, drop ceiling shot of him just ripping everything apart. The big kind of tracking shot in this is that end sequence where, and we won't mention how it how, how, it, how it ends, but she was going to go meet up with. Yeah, she's meeting up with. Who she thinks is a reporter, but it's John Lithgow. And he and tried to explain to her. He's like, "How would he know your number? Like, how would he know your number?" Stupid. <laughs> yeah, they had her. Character she really is dumb. stupid like, in right, this movie. See ya. <laughs> because she. Why are you going alone? Were, why are you doing this? Because at the time, then there was like a serial killer. Remember, yeah. they were like, yeah, billing th- that as a serial Lithgow killer. Was, that was an interesting moment too, because Lithgow was trying to. 
he basically created the idea of a serial killer by Just becoming a, a serial killer himself. Yeah, I mean, he was he, kidnapping and killing people that all all but women he, to look the same for a particular, for a particular reason. Particular though. reason. Yeah, it wasn't it has just, cover. Yeah, it has cover. It's. It's clever as hell. To your work, man. I mean, that's why I kind of look at him as like the Max von Sydow assassin type character because he's, he's very methodical what he does. But yeah, there's a scene where she's kind of miked and um, and Travolta's like running through. Was it a parade going on? Like a Fourth of July yeah. parade? Mm-hmm. And so there's fireworks going off everywhere. Just crazy scene where he's just running and uh, they're tracking up the long stairs and you, it's cutting to Lithgow doing like slow uh, things up there with Nancy Allen. Really phenomenal, man. I loved it. It's one of those movies. This is a story about De Palma too. I remember watching a uh, old Tonight Show episode where Quentin Tarantino was on and it's his favorite director of all time is Brian De Palma he says he would go see De Palma movies like six times in the theater he says the first time he would go by take notes yeah the first time he would go by himself and he he wanted to absorb it all by himself and then he would go see it again by himself to to see what he didn't miss and then he would start bringing friends I bet he didn't have many friends uh, back in the day no he worked at a video store he was he fucking had tons of people saw him Um, he said he would bring people by the third time because he wasn't worried about them talking or ruining the experience for him. So he would watch him the third time and the fourth time. And like you said, he would just take notes and he would absorb it. He is he was probably the biggest De Palma fan. Uh, I always thought that if he was going to do a remake, he would do a De Palma remake. I'm not sure which is the best one. Man, I would love to see him do. I would love to see him do Blowout or Phantom of the uh, of the Paradise. To be honest with you, that would be a crazy thing for Quentin to take over. <laughs> I wouldn't even know what to begin with. Do this. Uh, all right, let's jump to the next one. 1983. This is a. This big, might be his most iconic. Th- one. This is a big one because it's not only uh, it, it's not only directed by Brian De Palma, but it's an Oliver Stone script. Yeah. So you've got two geniuses kind of on this. N- not to the not to say that. Uh, Oliver Stone had any kind of after he, they bought the script from him, he was early enough on where they he probably didn't have any say in it. I don't know if he was on. Hey, the, the I don't check, know if he was the on the set cleared. or anything, but you get to say, "Hey, I wrote Scarface." So this was also his first outing with Al Pacino, which you would have to think that he was familiar with him because all his friends kind of worked with him. I mean, Francis Ford Coppola is super close to De Palma and obviously made his career off of The Godfather. With him, and this is way after The Godfather. Godfather was, what, 78, 79, something like that? John Mulaney makes fun of this movie all the time. Uh, Scarface? Yeah. Why? He's what? like, he's like, not, not he, he's like, not because it's a bad movie. It is, but not because of that. He's like, <laughs> he's like, think about, this is a crazy movie. It's like, he, he's living in this mansion that looks like it. If the Golden Girls won the Powerball lottery, <laughs> he just—he <laughs> says that's a bad movie, man. Scarface is one of the best, man. I love it. It's not it's my good. favorite gangster movie, but man, it is. It's, it's not a, my favorite gangster movie, but, but it's up there. I mean, it's there. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's a classic. It's, epic it's a classic. New guy takes over. Uh, Robert Loggia was incredible. Robert Loggia, uh, Stephen Michelle Bauer, Pfeiffer was, uh, Stephen, Stephen Bauer, Bauer was great. Was great. Uh, Elizabeth They're, Mary Elizabeth Moster Antonio was the really guy good. that they, the guy they threw out of the helicopter. Oh, yeah, F. Murray Abraham. F. Murray Abraham Abraham was really good in this. You didn't expect him to die like that, too. It was really great. I just love the whole story from beginning to end, how he is just an immigrant. And this is something that my my wife uh, knows about this experience just because she was born in 1980 in Miami. So in 1980 in Miami, this is is a real-life thing that this happened where all those immigrants came over from uh, from Cuba. It had the most horrific scene that I 
thought at the time. I mean, I was, I've seen that we heard about I've probably before we had seen since it. Then, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> for sure. But the 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 it really affected me was the the chainsaw, the scene? chainsaw, and oh the, yeah, and because I but you, we had heard about it before, and we probably built it up in our head. We were like, oh man, they they cut people up with a chainsaw. In that you movie. really show it. No, they, it's Anything. a lot more. They show blood splatters. It's, and it's they similar show to like his horrific face. Yeah, it's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. You think you see more than you actually do. Same yeah. with Psycho, really. And uh, but it was good, man. It it was the Cavalier stuff, mm-hmm. like the guy who's doing it. Oh, look at that arm, man, huh? <laughs> and just like uh, oh, we're gonna go to the uh, the leg next, right? Yeah. And just how you could tell that he's probably done this thirty times to people before. Like they have it down. They're in the tub. This is easy yeah. cleanup. We're it's just almost gonna... like an ode when that in that Denzel Washington movie. Uh, oh yeah, Training Day. Training Day. Yeah. And they had the, and they were being real cavalier about yeah. it. Yeah, let me see. I want to see, man. I think that's what made it so disturbing. So so yeah, the second he comes over from Cuba with his with his friend Stephen Bauer, I love that whole. I, Telling you were in the sanitarium, <laughs> and he told him he was in sanitation. I didn't say sanitation; I said sanitarium. <laughs> so Joey was... Diaz loves this movie. Oh man, it's, it's he talks about he was in living in Colorado and he came back to New Jersey, mm-hmm. and it was in limited showing in the theater still. And yeah. his friends picked him up at the airport, and they said, "Have you seen Scarface?" He's like, "What?" And he said it was only playing in New York and New Jersey and yeah. California, and they did a bunch of blow on the way of the car, and he's like, we're not going home, we're going straight to the theater. Yeah. And they went straight to the theater, and he said, the theater was packed, couldn't even sit with my friends. He's like, but it, we watched it, yeah. and then I think we watched he's it He's a again. huge Charles Bronson fan. Is huge. He? He's probably the biggest Charles Bronson fan yeah. I've heard of. He talks about the mechanic, and he talks about all these other uh, ones uh, a lot with uh, Charles, uh, Charles Bronson. But... I, I love how it went from just somebody who was so driven and he didn't care. Like, you see him washing dishes at the beginning and he doesn't want to do it. And he finally gets that in with F. Murray Abraham, who who's a cocky motherfucker yeah. for sure. But he obviously going opposite Tony Montana, who is the king of cocky, you're going to get annoyed by. Like, who the fuck is this guy? He's washing dishes and now he's telling me this is the way he's going to do things. And he's asking questions when I try to throw him a good deal mm-hmm. and everything. Because obviously that... It didn't go right, obviously, that Coke deal. And I'm assuming F. Murray probably knew it wasn't going to go right. Yeah. And the I other guy like really reacted like he had intended to kill that him before he even came into the door. I mean, and I, I love that. And that goes with another big, there's two big, for me, there's two huge kind of uh, De Palma tracking shots. The the one that they do down the Bower in the car while Tony Montana's brother is getting, like, chopped up in the thing, and they play that great music, and he's flirting with a girl in the bikini and everything, and then it cuts back when he looks up there to what's going on, and you can you can almost hear it, but the girl had raised the, uh, the, music. the music or the television up real loud. That's a big one. And the other one was when uh, he was going to be assassinated in the uh, in the club. I remember the guy was wearing that weird mask and yeah. going around, and the, the two uh, Hispanic guys got up and just with the Uzis went crazy on him, man. It, it, it's crazy when you think of all the different scenes in the movie. He kind of lost his mind by the end. like Well, with his sister. It could, was major, man. He could have... He could have dipped out and yeah. made it. Just that scene where you, you had to chalk it up to how much coke he was doing, mm-hmm. and everyone he had gotten so big, and that he had his he had everything. He had the tiger. Probably. He had the big. I mean, uh, he probably felt untouchable at the, some yeah, point. But the scene where he went and killed his best friend, I mean, you didn't expect that happening. I mean, you kind of have to have balls to be able to to be dating Tony's sister. I mean, you don't do you, it. You don't do it. And she was young too. She was like seventeen or something like that in the movie, and um, 
yeah, when he showed up and they he he shoots Stephen Bauer before she even has a chance to say we got married earlier, and he's like, what the fuck? Then he was just out of it. And not only him, but her. Like when she went nuts at the end mm-hmm. and just came into uh, his uh, room with a robe on and just started firing away at him with his mountain of coke. It's such a great movie and great ending, man. I, I love the scene where he goes on. Is he does he go to Italy or does he go someplace to do that that hit where he won't do it? Where he's like, you think I'm gonna kill a kid? Uh, I don't know. Fuck you! And then he shoots the uh, the the guy in the uh, car, and his brains go all over the window. But remember, he's he's following behind. He he goes somewhere. Uh, it, it's not where he is in Miami for sure. He goes somewhere, and he has to do this hit just to uh, to go along and make sure it's done right. And the guy is like, "You really fucked us on this when it when it fucks up." But they want to put a they put a bomb underneath the car, and they're like following the car. And they were like, "We're gonna blow it up. You got to get closer. The range isn't close enough." And then they see them pick up the wife and the children and the guy's still gonna blow it up he's like i don't give a fuck and uh tony shows like a very glimpse of like morality but where he just stops shoots the guy in the head he says you think i'm gonna kill a wife and a little baby he says you're uh he's like fuck you and then it just kills him man crazy so he kind of brought on what happens to him at the end because i mean you fuck over the head mobster he's that it just went to his head man i love the musical montages like when they're counting the money, mm-hmm. living on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the hell that song is, but I know that's a line from it. And they're going all the way through him getting the tiger and everything, and just Stone, it's his nineteen eighty. All the Stone montage, likes his man. likes his mu- musical montages because he did it in Wall Street with. He when, did do it in Wall Street, so he must have. I, that might even have been in the script when he's sure. wallpaper in his new apartment. He's pretty exact him. with his script, so I'm very interested in what De Palma changed about it uh obviously the the particular way he shot it was very De Palma style but all right now's the one we're going to jump into this one here and this one's probably unlike any of the other ones I I mean mean, this is the only comedy he did yeah and this is one of Eric's favorites my god me and Eric used to watch this back in the day this is 1986 wise guys I have a feeling a lot of people haven't seen this movie yeah, I, probably. I not. mean, it wasn't. I and the people that did, I guarantee you, they don't know it was a Brian De Palma film because no, shit. Unless Joe you're Piscopo, seeing his name on it, I don't know if I want to see Joe oh, Piscopo. God, so you got Joe Piscopo, funny Joe Piscopo. This is when he was back when he was on Saturday Night Live and he was just a riot. And that way he talked was just funny as hell. Uh, I always liked him back in the day in like Dead Heat. I hear he kind of became a prick later in life, but I don't know. It's not doing anything now. Now, so who cares? Uh, but him and Danny DeVito, man, uh, some of the great character actors. In this it's Captain Lou Albano, Dan Henja. Uh, who, who else was in this? Uh, his who's oh the guy. His mom was uh, famous in this. A lot of like uh, famous Italian women. The the guy from oh Harvey Aliens. Keitel. Yeah, Harvey Keitel. Yep, Harvey Keitel was great in this. And so basically, you've got these low levels, and we we say low level, low level mobsters. Like pick up the coffee mobsters. <laughs> or one of the best scenes where he gets elected to go uh, start the car. I love that scene, and they're yeah, betting yeah. on it if it's going to blow up or not. So Danny DeVito gets in the car, and he's breathing, he's sweating, and everyone's betting money on him, and he starts the car up, and it was starts. Was Piscopo on Johnny Dangerously? Yeah, he was the one I kept okay. swearing wrong. You fucking ice holes, hole. you bastages, <laughs> you bastards. <laughs> he was so good in Johnny Dangerously. Uh, so what happens is, uh, and Dan Henge is like the, the leader of the mob, but the main muscle guy is Captain Lou. And uh, Captain Lou takes him to the track. And it, it's an interesting concept of, uh, of what they were going to do because they've gone to the track probably 20 times. And, and bet, he loses all the And he time. loses every single time. The horse he bets on loses every single time. 
And they come up with this idea. Well, Danny DeVito comes up with the idea. He says, why don't we take this money, bet it on a different horse that I think is going to win, and if it wins and the other guy he bet on loses, he, he was never going to get this money back anyways, and now we get it, and it's like 60 grand or something like that. And Piscopo's like, no, no, you're not That's doing it. That's not a it. good idea. And then like he, he's like a um, he's a gambling-aholic, so he's just like what running. They should have done, <laughs> what they should have done is just kept the 10 grand, yeah. and then if the horse that he wanted him to bet on one, say, we couldn't get to the gate. Yeah, time, yeah, yeah, yeah. And here's your money back. There's your money back. He still would have been pissed He would have been fuck, pissed, but, but he wouldn't have probably put a hit out yeah. on you. So, as you can imagine, they, they don't bet on the horse, and this is the one time that it hits, and uh, Captain Lou shows up, and he's like, he's going to be thrilled. Don't you want to see how happy he's going to be? Miracle on 34th Street. Not Miracle on 34th Street. Which uh, one? What's the one with... Um, Wonderful Life? No, the guy from Boys in the Hood, Danny Aiello. Oh, 29th Street. Yeah, yeah, when, yeah, he, yeah. when he didn't bet the mother's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, numbers or something. Yeah. and then That she did. had played forever and yeah. ever and ever and never I, You buy one ticket <laughs> and you win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love 29th Street. Uh, so now they got to go on the lamb, you know, because, well, before that, I thought it was great. So they go back and we cut to the scene of them being tortured. One of them being tortured with the threat of dogs and one of them being drowned in, like, the aquarium. <laughs> in the lobster tank. In the lobster tank. <laughs> and they come up with this idea, which is also brilliant, that they they tell Danny DeVito, we want you to kill. Well, they don't rat each other out. They don't rat they, each other out. They actually stand up and said he knew nothing about it it was yep. my idea and the yep. other guy's like he knew nothing about it, it was my idea but then uh dan henry says we're gonna we're gonna have them kill each other and so they tells danny devito gives him a gun and he says you're gonna go kill joe piscopo he ratted you out and he ratted you out and uh you gotta go kill him and yeah. he told the, so same, the same thing, thing to piscopo. piscopo you gotta go to kill danny devito he ratted you out so they're kind of like uh, very weary around each other, mm-hmm. and then they they like hug each other, and they you can tell Danny DeVito's <laughs> got the gun to his back. My, best, he, my favorite part it. was when Joe Piscopo, uh, Danny DeVito like had his back turned, and the bus was coming down the street. Yeah, and D- Danny DeVito's like tying his shoe, <laughs> and Joe Piscopo had his foot up, and he's ready to kick him in front of the dump truck yeah. or the garbage <laughs> truck. And then he turns around, and he's like, "What are you what doing?" It's <laughs> like my shoes untied. He's like, "No, it's not." <laughs> and then he just blew it off. Really like, funny. Oh, they realize that they have to go to his uncle in like Vegas, Atlantic in, City. in Atlantic City, and then maybe he'll help him and everything. Not realizing that he's already died like already years died. ago and everything. But so he's got to deal with t- his they, annoying grandmother. They, and- they uh, so they go there and they and the, the grandmother was like, "He left you some money." Yeah. So they had some money to try to see if they could bribe their way yeah. out of it, and. Uh, Remember they they go to the well. This is before that they go to the church, yep. and the one waiter was going to tip them off and say, "Hey, they're going to kill you." Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. That was a great. And he's scene. like, "Do what I do," yeah. and and he's like, they're like praying, and the other guy's praying, yeah. and then when he gets shot, and he goes, "Uh," and they both go, "Uh." Yeah, Captain they, Lou is in yeah. like the balcony shooting yeah, yeah, yeah. with a sniper, but rifle they steal Captain Lou's prized. Um, what are those? Those. Uh, cars with the big fins. Oh yeah, the Cadillacs or was it a, was Cadillac? It a Cadillac? Yeah. yeah, Cadillac convertible, and then they go to they go to Atlantic City and they have his credit card. Yeah, remember and they go. Oh, on that's the right. You do like street. a Mosley thing. Yeah, like yeah. A, a montage shopping spree. No, thank you, Mister Acevedo. They just kept saying it <laughs> yeah, over and over again. Uh, it was so funny, man. It was very not to Palma though. Like this was the one of all of these that you could watch and you were like, I couldn't tell I just, you in like, years it was from. They're staying at Harry Keitel's. Yeah. Harvey Tattel comes up to the room. He's like, where's Arshkavadia? He's like, oh, he isn't here. He he gave us his credit card and told us to have a good time. Yeah, he's yeah. like, are we talking about the same guy that I know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That was fun, man. It was a great movie, and it was one of those eighties, middle of eight, the eighties in nineteen eighty six that people just it went by. Unless you caught it on HBO, I mean, or you just randomly rented it at the video store. There was no yeah, other way you were cool going to see it. Cool twisting ending. I mean, yeah, it was good. It was Danny DeVito. I mean, being able to see Danny DeVito in any of those old comedies are great, man. He's getting up there, man. He's like, if you've seen him in the uh, the new Jumanji movie, I mean, they probably made him look a little wild-haired, kind of old, but I think he's just like 78 uh, I mean, or something like that. He's wild-haired. and He's had a th- crazy life, for sure. He's done tons sunny of movies, in Philadelphia. Man. Oh, he's sunny Yeah, and it's weird that he, he did all those movies for so many years, and then to be kind of like become a... N- Another thing with the uh, the Philadelphia show, how many seasons are they still doing that? Probably. I mean, it's, it's got like eight seasons or something. Yeah, I I got into the first season and never got into the rest. What of I it. like about that show is they'll do some crazy stuff, like get hooked on crack, yeah. and then like the next episode, it's like nothing. Yeah, it's like they, it's just all the individual. Yeah. I, I'm weird with my TV. We just watched the first three episodes of WandaVision. It is crazy, crazy. Did you yeah. even heard about that? I heard about. Yeah, it. it it it's weird because it's it's a superhero thing about the Scarlet Witch and the Vision, the robot and everything. But they do it in the style of old sitcoms. So the first episode, it's like an I Love Lucy episode. The second episode is like I've only there are only three episodes in. The, the second episode, they jump forward. You you think that she's in her own head and she's thinking these things, I guess. But the second episode was a Brady Bunch episode. And then the third episode is like a Family Ties episode, and they using there's like Easter eggs to the whole thing, like the robots holding Kitty Carryall uh, doll and everything. <laughs> You're like, what the hell is going on here? I don't think most Marvel fans are gonna like it, but I think it's phenomenal. All right, back to Brian here. Just needs to make money. This was also one of his more uh, mainstream movies that everyone saw. Big actors, big release. Um, De Niro is in it. It's his first De Niro movie. It's the only De Niro movie, as far as I uh, can tell, if there was, unless there was something I left off here. And this is 1987's The Untouchables. Mm-hmm. Oh, such great. I yep. love the Untouchables, man. Great music. I love from the very beginning that that great music uh, with that crawl for the Untouchables that comes up, and then it goes right into the the overhead shot of him getting shaved, and uh, and it just slowly pans in. This is De Palma style all over it. Yeah, all over it through I the mean, whole movie. Through from, the whole movie, all, all the way. The big scene probably is the baseball bat uh, scene. The baseball bat scene is a big tracking one, but the, also on obviously bridge. in the Amtrak station up the yeah, stairway yeah. and down the stairway. That was huge. Slow mo too. Uh, big actors. Kevin Costner when he was first starting out. I mean, he had done like Field of Dreams and a couple other um, sure. ones. Uh, people forget Kevin Costner started as like uh, Prince Charming at Disneyland. So he had with his wife. That's how he met his wife. She she was like uh, she was the uh, Snow White, I guess. Is that who Prince Charming was it? Yes. Or is that Cinderella? Cinderella. Cinderella. So yeah, she must have played uh, Cinderella. Uh, so she he got him Andy Garcia, probably the first Andy Garcia movie we had ever seen up until that time. What was the weird movie with Kevin Costner when he kidnaps that kid? Oh, Perfect World. Perfect great World. Great movie, man. I lent it to mom. She loved it. Yeah, really great movie. A lot of people don't. We haven't talked about that a lot in the movies. Wild oh. card coming up. Uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, the great Sean Connery, obviously. I love the guy from uh, uh, Close Encounters of Third Kind, the guy who oh, played yeah. the accountant. Yeah. He was really good in that. Got I can't bench. remember his name. There you go. Oh, there's so many great lines in this movie, and one scene after another. Uh, De Niro, man, putting on the weight to play uh, 
uh, Al Capone, still one of the best Al Capones. Him and the and Stephen Graham, who played him in uh, Stephen Graham as the uh, I like dogs <laughs> from uh, Snatch, yeah. but he is uh, he Boardwalk plays Empire. him in Boardwalk Empire. Oh, so good. Yeah, Anytime good. you can play that character and that you are scared shitless watching it when he's on screen because you know at any point he's going to take a pen. It's it's like watching Joe Pesci in Goodfellas yeah. at, or or a Casino at any moment he's just going to slaughter you. His, and, I re- saw something the other day. Oh, Drunk History. Yeah. We were talking about Al Capone. Al Capone. And about him getting syphilis and it rots your brain. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was in prison, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so he got released, and he was like, he'd just be oh, at I his mansion. He, I didn't know he got released from prison, did he? Yeah. I thought he, he died in prison. I don't think so. He um, he just was a recluse, yeah. and they said he would fish in his swimming pool. Oh, interesting. He would sit on the side, and he'd cast his... In, Anyone put fish in there for him? Come no. on, someone put some fish in there for him. Yeah, for him. Some plastic Kill fish. the chlorine. <laughs> like a kid fishing in the toilet growing up, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure he didn't die in prison. What's some of your favorite scenes from uh, Untouchable since we've seen I mean, this the, so many times? I mean, the hit on Sean Connery. Oh, that's a good one, man. That's also one of those great tracking shots from outside, yeah. mm-hmm. inside. And uh, it was like a trick, too. It's like, just like a, what do you say? Just like a giddy to bring a uh, knife, knife to, to a, a gunfight. To a gunfight, yeah. Till he goes outside and yeah, Frank Nitty's I mean, out there. He's just luring him out there. I love that guy who played Frank Nitty, too, man. That that was brilliant casting right he's, there. He had such a unique look yeah, to him. Yeah. Uh, and I hadn't seen him for the longest time, and then he turned up as one of the vampires in 30 Days and Nights. And I was like, holy shit, it's Frank Nitty, man. He, he was also the bad guy in Delta Force 2, when I think of that. That guy who played Nitty. You can't mistake him. If you see him, you're like, oh, I know who that guy is. Uh, he was great in it. Probably one of my favorite stuff was the Canadian with the Mounties when they're at the uh, um, when they're at the log cabin in there. They gotta uh, no. do that booze thing on the uh, on the bridge and everything. I thought it was great, man. I like the the uh, Andy Garcia. He was really good in this. The, Oh, his his opening, man. Yeah. The reason why I like that time period is because they had Tommy guns, and those things were awesome. Yeah. I love when they he finally gets Sean Connery on board, and Sean Con- and Kevin uh, Costner is, like, racking his brain to find out where the alcohol is. And Sean Connery <laughs> brings him across the street, and he's like, here? In the Treasury office? It was like he's like, it's not, US- we don't, it's not that we don't know where the alcohol is. It's it's who's got the balls to go against uh, up against Capone. Yeah. And so he goes to the door, and he's like, holy fuck. He says, I've been making asses uh, an ass out of myself pulling out umbrellas from uh, from shipments and everything. And Connery knew where this shit was all, all along, man. Yeah, Al Capone was released from prison in 1939, and he lived... Until forty-seven, so oh right, eight years. He uh, it's crazy. Yeah. And what, did he say in Chicago that say that? Uh, do, 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 do. No? He was treated in Baltimore for the late stage syphilis huh. and uh, died in Baltimore. Oh, he he was he moved to Palm Island, Florida. He oh, interesting. In yeah, that sounds like gangsters to me. <laughs> All gangsters moved to Florida. <laughs> it's where they go to retire. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I loved Untouchables, man. I thought it was great. I can always watch that. All right, this next one, this is where he dips his toe back into that split personality. I love this movie. Probably one of my favorites of, um, yeah, this and the next one, eight and nine on this list are probably my two favorites, but I'm I'm really loving Blowout. Like, I may watch it a, uh, a third time uh, uh, coming up here just because I, I really enjoyed it and I wanted to catch whatever I wasn't missing in that. But 1992's Raising Cane, whew, man, this was good. This was so good. This was the John Lithgow show for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Uh, he brought Stephen Bauer back, uh, also uh, uh, 
what was the woman's name? She had a really interesting. Uh, she had a Polish name, uh, Linda or Fern... no, something like that. Davidovich or something like that. Davidovich. Davidovich. That sounds right. <laughs> it's right if you, if you don't look <laughs> I, it up. I think it's right. <laughs> uh, a lot of great character actors that have been in the other stuff, but obviously John Lithgow is the star of the show, and. It's a very clever, interesting movie to to rewatch, man. My favorite Brian De Palma shot in this is one of my favorites. Is when shit started going to a head when he goes to the uh, police station. They had the kid station. from Turk. Uh, no, the uh, see, from Taps. Uh, no, 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 he wasn't in this. No, uh, just Stephen Bauer. Him, it's been a while woman. since I've seen this. So. What's going on? And it happens at the very beginning of the movie. He, you could tell that he's at a uh, a playground, and it's he's with a woman that's not his wife, but she's got a kid, and they're, they're doing like a play date thing, and they're in the car, and all of a sudden he reaches over and he blows smoke in her face, like this powder in her face, and she's like, "Oh, I got something in my eyes," and he's like, "He blew it in her eyes, so he knew it was what the hell it was." They pull over, and he just puts chloroform over her mouth and knocks her out, and the two kids are in the back sleeping. And you realize, uh, all of a sudden, another John Lithgow is outside the window talking to him. It's his brother, Carter. Uh, and he's, uh, no, Carter is the main John Lithgow. So his other brother was, damn, I can't remember his, his, other bro- his brother's name. So anyways, he's seeing him outside the window and he's telling him to do stuff. He's like, you better kiss her because this jogger's coming up that are going to notice that this passed out girl is there. He says, you better kiss her and everything. And Carter's freaking out and he leans in and he kisses her and the joggers go by and everything. And you realize that... He's got like a weird split personality thing on, and he's seeing his brother. At this point, you don't know how in-depth his split personality uh, thing was. And you know that he's he's seeing his father, he's seeing his brother, and then later on it, it really opens up to how many different personalities he has. But basically, he's he's kidnapping children. You don't realize at the beginning while he's why, why he's stealing children. What I like about this movie, too, and we're going to be a little spoilery but not too much, is when you're watching the movie, you're not completely sure that the father is real or not. <laughs> you think it's a personality that he has until later on in the movie where uh, you realize uh, John Lithgow as the arrogant brother goes and visits the father. And he was like, holy shit, the father exists and he's stealing these children for the father. And the the best person that kind of brings all this exposition out is when he... Uh, he ends up going to – he sets up Stephen Bauer because he catches Stephen Bauer like almost in an affair with his wife. So he sets him up. He takes the woman that he uh, he drugged and killed in that opening uh, scene and sticks her in his trunk and then like leaves a little bit of a sh- the shirt uh, out and then makes an uh, anonymous phone call. And the, the one of the cops – the two cops are famous. One of them was uh, the guy who played Marvin from uh, Die Hard 2 who was the, mm-hmm. the janitor. Uh, the hell if I'm going to clean up this shit. Yeah. He, he's one of the cops, and the other cops is the guy from Payback. He was the one that was with uh, Mel Gibson, uh, the big blonde guy that was with Mel Gibson during the uh, uh, the scene where he gets screwed, screws him over. Oh, okay. Remember, he's in the car yeah. sequence. He's, he's the one that goes. He's like, that's a problem with killing Chinese people. You want to always want to kill him again in a half hour. <laughs> that crazy line. Uh, so those were the two cops. So... John Lithgow goes in and he gives a description of Stephen Bauer and everything. He's basically just trying to set Stephen Bauer up. But one of the ex-cops, and this was one of those great fortuitous things in the movie, they have an, an ex-cop that hangs around the station. Remember the old guy who hangs around the station? And, he, and they're telling him, go home, retire, go sit by, your, uh, <laughs> go sit by and, uh, and watch some TV or do some fishing. And, he, 
And then he's like, do you want to know who that guy is out there? Because I can tell you from 20 years ago, his father came in here. We had his father in here for possible child kidnapping and everything. And he looks just like him. And this, the circumstances seem very similar to this. He said there was a uh, there was a doctor that used to work. There was a nurse that used to work with his doctor when uh, and testified against him for this child murder thing and everything. And she's on her way down here because she uh, she's very fascinated with the idea that we have his son down here for a very similar crime. And they were like, "Holy shit, maybe this guy's in on something." And so they have the woman who comes down. Remember, she's wearing a wig mm-hmm. because she had just gone through chemo and everything. And that's when the tracking scene starts. She comes into the office and she's like, "Holy shit, he looks just like him. I can't believe it." And you said his wife and his daughter are missing and everything and they're like yeah and they walk with her in one long tracking scene down the stairs all the way to the morgue you remember that where the tracking where it ends it's so great so along the whole trip he's telling her about he's had multiple personalities and his father has been testing on him he was like the uh the main guy that they were his own father was testing uh, or testing on and uh, basically making different personalities for him so he's got like six and she's telling this whole story as they're going down. Wasn't the father also played by... Uh, yeah, John Lithgow. John Lithgow. That's why we weren't sure if he was real or if yeah. it was just a figment, because we were seeing his brother, and his brother's not real. It, he was like a creepy him. German guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, the <laughs> I white mean, hair and little if glasses. He, if someone's going to do creepy experiments on children, you yeah. got to get the creepy German. got to get a creepy German, German guy. Yeah. So that tracking shot goes all the way down to the morgue, where they're going to see the body that they found in the back of Stephen Bauer's uh, thing. So they go into the morgue, and uh, one of the best lines from the trailer, too, and uh, he was he was like you could tell by her uh, fingernails that she tried to claw her way out of the uh, out of the trunk. He says you should see the expression on her face. And everyone turns their head at the same time, and the camera turns with her. And he pulls down the sheet, and her face is just her eyes and mouth are wide open. And that's when the the uh, the long tracking scene cuts that was going for like three and a half minutes. You're like <laughs> holy crap, that might have been one of the longest ones. I don't think there was a hidden cuts in that. There were definitely hidden cuts in that Snake Eyes one because no one's gonna do a 12 minute friggin tracking shot i mean even two or three minutes is like ambitious as shit that's stressful for an actor i mean you do one actor in the back i mean 12 minutes is 10 percent of the movie if you said you're 10 percent of the movie is going to be one shot all his movies are like an hour and a half he doesn't have a whole well no uh scarface is pretty long but for the majority of his movies that i've been watching hour and a half hour and a half he's he's got that money number man it is but like I said, this is the John Lithgow show, man. If you're a huge John Lithgow fan... I won't watch a two-hour movie unless it's... I won't watch two-plus-hour movie unless, unless it's, it's in my genre. Drama, yeah. A drama stuff. or war. Yeah, war, drama. Western. It's all kinds of craziness happening. <laughs> There's always craziness that happens when we record out back here. I don't know what's going on. It's either dogs or birds or weather. Something going on. All right. Two flicks back and uh, two flicks uh, left. And this next one, huge movie for me. I think I saw it three times in the theater. Uh, one of mom's favorites, one of your favorites. Yeah, one of my favorites. Uh, is 1993's Carlito's Way. Oh, yep. God. I like this more than Scarface. Yeah, I, I definitely like this more than Scarface. It, it's It's got that more De Palma stamp on it for sure. I mean, the... the, the uh, Sean Penn is... Oh. One of Sean Penn's best. Amazing in That's also movie. one of Mama's favorite his actors, I can tell. A, his arc yeah. just kind of went crazy. It's he crazy. had some of my favorite scenes in movies in this movie. My, Which, the the pool hall scene. That was a, there's a was couple of his tracking scenes. One of the best with, with yep. the mirrored sunglasses uh, and seeing the reflection of the that guy in the mirrored so sunglasses. That is so De Palma, it's yeah. not even funny. And it, then the, really the scene on the boat uh, uh, when the, they're oh, rescuing Big Tony. They're, yeah, they're oh, or, sort of. 
Rescue yeah, Dave. Clo- uh, what's his last name? Kleinfeld. 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 Man, I love that. You're not a gang. You're not a lawyer anymore, Dave. You're a gangster. Yeah. And yeah, when he hamstrings him to go kill Big Tony on the boat, that's when that. I, I love every time I saw it in the theater. I can remember the three times I saw it in the theater. I couldn't wait. It's one of those movies where you can't wait till this scene comes up, and then you can't wait until mm-hmm. the next scene comes yeah. up. And then uh, I, I love the scene. Obviously, the boat scene was huge, but where he goes back to Sasso's club or his own club, oh, yeah. where Sasso is running, wrong. and then you realize <laughs> that little Tony's in the uh, yeah, yeah. in mm-hmm. the room, and they were like, "Come down, sit with us." You know, his his father went disappearing, and you could tell that he was sizing up Carlito to know what he knows. Was that one guy, the guy from that Midnight was like, Jackass? Uh, no, the from guy from Happy Mid- Gilmore. Uh, no, that was uh, that's he, Joe Flattery. It looked uh, just like him. The, the human being, little Tony. Uh, the tall, lanky one. Yeah, that's a little Tony. And then there's the other guy. And then there was the uh, the one that dressed up like a police officer at the end. And went yeah, into the... no, that's not him. That's uh, that's little Tony. Okay. And uh, then there's a guy from Midnight Run, moron number one and moron yeah. number two. He mm-hmm. was one of them. <laughs> he was great in everything too. He's the one that punched uh, um, punched Sean, uh, John Ashton in the stomach in Midnight Run after he saw the newspaper. Uh there's so many great scenes in this movie, man. I, the scene where he goes and visits Kleinfeld in the hospital, man. Yeah. And he hands him the hands gun. Hands him the gun. Take, uh, and he didn't know what he did. He didn't realize he took the bullets out of the gun. Yeah. And mm-hmm. just, oh, when little Tony came in that door, yep. he knew. And Sean he Penn said, thought he had I, got, dro- I have a message from you from my father. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and God. thought he had to drop on him. But then from that scene on, just the chase... Yep. Oh, the, the, all the way to the uh, the scene. John Leguizamo was really oh, good. Oh, man, John Leguizamo was really good in this movie. Really young, too. The, he was the perfect young punk that you could play in this movie yeah. that Carlito just uh, overlooked. Shouldn't have overlooked him. It was one him. of those things where the, the opening scene of that movie is is him getting it's released the from... What, the ending? Well, Remember, the after begin- that. Yeah, yeah. Was him getting released from prison yeah. on a technicality. Free at last, free at last. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, he was giving a speech, yeah. and he's like... <laughs> And he's like, I'd like to thank my lawyer, Mr. Kleinfeld. It was like he made so a then he just goes back to the neighborhood, and yep. he's like, he's home. And then like his cousin's like, yep. hey, come with me. I got to make a pickup. Yep. And, just you know, draws and then him back he into just it, was man. in the wrong place at the wrong time. And, and, just uh, when I thought it was out, they brought me back yeah. in. And he sees the big pile of cash, and he takes it. God, man. He, he yeah, from that from that pool hall scene, from then on. I yep. mean, it was, and then he had obviously that that he just the stuff with straight. Penelope Ann Miller was really good. I yeah. loved Penelope mm-hmm. Ann Miller in this movie. She was huge back then yeah, too was. as an actress. She doesn't do she does various stuff here and there, uh, uh, now and again. But I, when she I think was the back cute in the day, girl next door. Type. Oh, I loved her in uh, Big Top Pee Wee. Yeah, was so great, Big Top Pee Wee. <laughs> Uh, this uh, Carly was way we got to see her a little bit more of her though, so it was a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> she was great. It was that great kind of love scene that they he he. It just made it for more of a fuller movie, you know. That not only was he trying to get out of this life, but the relationship that he fucked up early in his life has come to make, back to him, yeah. you know. And he he's like, I really want to get free of this shit, but uh, Kleinfeld really screws him over, man. It's one of uh, Sean Penn's more powerful roles mm-hmm. uh, in the movie, man. And great ending that into the training station and him going down the escalator and the big fat guy seeing him and yeah. him laying and it's down. It's funny and the shooting. first time you watch it. You don't even notice John. Yeah, Lizano. yeah, it's true. And now every time, every after time that, you see it, you you're see like, "Wait, there he is." He would. I love that they did that, though. I love that yeah. they showed mm-hmm. him that, and he just wasn't out of completely nowhere. Like if, if you you wouldn't have known, obviously. Ah, God, remember me, Benny Blanco from the Bronx. Yeah, oh, don't God, disrespect man. people. That's yeah. the because he would have gotten away. I love Carly as well. I if he had because Benny Blanco had nothing to do with Big Tony. Nope. Nope, it was like a whole yeah. offshoot. Like the one, he, he just disrespected somebody, yeah. and 
And uh, that's like doing some huge, huge yeah. crime and epic thing, yeah. and, and then get hit by a car or yeah. something or, like that, or arrested for speeding. Yeah, yeah. like <laughs> after being a triple murderer or something. Oh crazy. God, it's so stupid, man. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, and this last one, man. This was ambitious, man. And this was a this was one of those you have to watch it a couple it times to fully this enjoy in film this. School. Snake Eyes. So 1998 Snake Eyes. Uh, Do they show things in film school? I wonder. I, I would think Brian De Palma has got to be huge in film school. I, I mean, any style. I would imagine. Director. That's why I, I constantly think that maybe I missed my calling and should have been a film professor because I would talk about the films that they're not talking about in in film school. Everyone wants to talk about friggin' like uh, uh, Fellini, Fellini and, uh, and, and stuff like that. Plague Dogs. <laughs> yeah. No one's talking about Plague Dogs. <laughs> you are right now. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, you tricked me. Uh, <laughs> or those old black and white or Hitchcock and everything. And not that they're bad. They're obviously great. But I would, I would show talk Key West. Uh, yeah, Key West or, or different movies like that. Or, or Rope. I mean, I'm sure they show Rope. Yeah, but even those are a little pretentious when it comes to it. When you when you bring into a film school and you start talking Raising Cane or Blowout or stuff or even Snake Eyes, you're like, all right, this guy's got some stuff. And... Uh, the opening of the movie, like we said, it's like four shots, man. And it's all the introduction of um, Nicolas Cage. And it's with a lot of a lot people. of people. My God, the crowd. So this takes place during a boxing match. And he's like an off-duty cop who's who's working it. But he's a schemer and he's a, a scammer, scammer, man. He's kind of a scumbag in he's a way. He's kind of a scumbag. But because he's that good, he's also like Columbo and he's got this shit figured out. So what happens is there is a huge conspiracy going on of how to kill this uh, major politician similar to like Blowout in the audience. And there's like seven or eight people involved with it mm-hmm. and it's great that he like points it out and uh he's best friends with uh gary sunice who is head of security uh in it and uh who's he was also a naval officer like. naval officer that's true uh we also got carla gugino who's really great in this i love her in everything she ever since like son-in-law she played the girl in son-in-law but then she went on to do sin city and uh what was the uh, the one where she gloves herself? The Stephen King, uh, uh, Gerald's Game. Oh, have you still seen? Not seen that? I don't know. Really good, man. I, it was on like Netflix. I think that was the only platform it was on. But if you haven't seen Gerald's Game, watch that. Ooh, it was good. Good, a uh, lot better of a movie than it was book because the book it was kind of like I mean she was tied to the bed the whole movie. Uh, There's only so much they could do. Most of it was in. Uh, kind of flashbacks, but it was really well done. Uh, she was great in this. Uh, a lot of the the. I can never remember the black guy in it who played the boxer. He's the one that gave the way. If, yeah. he, if he hadn't have looked at, yep. at what's his name, at, uh, yeah, Nicholas, Nicholas Cage. Cage. So what happens is uh, while Nicholas Cage is rooting on for the fight and everything, uh, a shot rings out and, and hits the politician and kills him. But the blood goes on the side of Nicholas Cage's face, and he's like in shock <clears> at the moment. He puts his hand on his, on his face, and he realizes he's bleeding. He looks up, and he sees Carlo Gugino, who got shot in the arm, and uh, the blood is all over her, too. And then chaos breaks out, and he drops to the ground, and he looks at the fighter, and the fighter like lifts his head up. Well, he had just been knocked out. Yeah, he down. had been knocked he, out. And he never gets knocked down. And the gunshot wakes him up yeah. and just lifts his head like like looks around and then sticks looks his head around back and down. sticks his head then, back down and then they go and he, he checks of, the tapes yeah uh, Nicholas Cage checks the tapes and realizes that it phantom was a phantom punch. punch and that that punch the never hit him the fight was fixed the fight so was fixed he was like he goes to his dressing room yep. and talks to him he's on this for my kid won't you it, 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 we should mm-hmm. mention that he is like Nicholas Cage's character is very Nicholas Cage it's like probably it's like the most t- wildest if they said show up and just be yourself yeah 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or what we assume he is. Yeah. Maybe he's not. I I'm don't know. Sure but he's, exactly but he's like a wild that. man in this movie. So he comes in and he's very yeah. uh, braggadocious and, and just, you're going to tell me this. And I've seen the tape. Do you ever see the Nicolas Cage loses his shit? Yeah, the yeah. The, 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 the YouTube video. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that he's still losing his shit, like in Mom and Dad, that, yeah. that movie. Did you ever get to see that? Mm-hmm. Man, you'd love it. It's really funny. It's really good. It's a very tongue in cheek. Um, but he was great in that. And it, it starts unruling. I love when he meets, he sits down with Gary Sinise and he's he's like numbering the people. He's like the guy in the audience who, who jumps up and scream with the with yeah. the thing in his ear is, is one guy. You've got the guy boxing is another guy. You've got the girl is another but he wasn't, girl. he wasn't smart enough yeah. to realize yeah, yeah. the ultimate... What, the, what was like right in his face? He he was yeah. missing a couple elements of what was going on that he probably should have realized. He, he, he was, did. He just realized him a little late, yeah. and it was a great. It was a great and conspiracy was like a outside too. It was in like New Orleans. Or something. Yeah, yeah. I remember the beginning of the movie. Or they New have Jersey. the they have that. She's a. I've seen this actress and other stuff before. She was a black reporter, and they're yeah. they're saying I'm call the tro- <laughs> no. Before that, she's like call the tropical. The the camera guy is like call the tropical storm, not a hurricane. And they were like it is a hurricane. He says yeah, but the holidays are coming up. He says I can't believe this town. You even spin, spin the weather. The weather. <laughs> <laughs> really great. There's so many yeah, great yeah, elements yeah. to it. But like I said, this, that tracking shot at the beginning, where Nicolas Cage is walking. Uh, that guy who plays Moochie's in the movie too. And so isn't uh, Louise Guzman. Remember, mm-hmm. he uh, he shakes down Louise Guzman for like three grand, and yeah. then immediately goes and puts it on the boxer and everything. He, he's a scumbag, but you get to see this in all that twelve minutes, all the way through the murder. I mean, it, it's four cuts, and they're, and like, then they're later all on, put together. You see with the, the other sweep. side of stuff later on. Yeah, you some definitely the, got to see some a lot of the of other stuff. side of the tracking shot. Yeah, it was great. Uh, they did some similar stuff with that in the movie uh, Vantage Point. You remember Vantage Point with yeah. Dennis Quaid? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've only seen. I'm not even sure. I saw the whole thing but I remember seeing the beginning of it and it was very similar everyone was connected in some way and you had one guy who had to uh, completely figure it out so it was great but when I watch a De Palma movie, uh, you know you're going to get some excitement because most of his movies have that level of excitement. Uh, even even wise guys had moments where they were in kind of peril and they were chasing them through the streets and through the casino and everything. So it, it, it's always dealing with a lot of peril, a lot of thrillers and stuff like that. So he's definitely up in my top five favorite directors. But <laughs> as fine, I just like when he when I would go back to uh, wise guys for a yeah. second when he's in comes back to and. And Joe Piscopo realized Dan DeVito wasn't dead. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> and he's like, I can't believe it worked. Remember, his son jumped head- on the ca- on the casket. He's like, yeah, I told him not to do that, but he did it anyways. <laughs> I love when he's at the bottom of the stairs, and Joe Piscopo's about to hang himself, and Dan DeVito's yeah. moving his arms, so he doesn't not sure he's a ghost or not. <laughs> <laughs> really great, man. Yeah, Nobody more than Obama has those like iconic shots that you were like, I want that. Uh, that shot, uh, the final shot from uh, Raising Kane is one of my favorites where the woman moves and John Lithgow's completely lined up with her. She's in the woods with her daughter, in the playground with her daughter. And she's like, Daddy's here. And she's like, no, Daddy's not here. And then she leans down to pick something up and right behind her is, yeah. is John Lithgow dressed as a woman who you had not seen do that before. And he's just in that red dress and he looks and she, she leans back up and moves moves again and he's missing and I was like oh that's such an iconic shot he knew how to end a movie and, and that was what was great with him with like Carrie with a hand coming out at the end I mean I don't want to ruin all his endings of his movies but they, they all had a really 
kind of poignant ending where you got to leave the theater being excited and everything. And even Mission Impossible, like it was hard to leave Mission Impossible out of this because I, I love the scene where uh, where Tom Cruise lowers himself into that room and then almost hits the floor. And then you've got uh, Leon up there holding the thing and the rats coming over towards him and everything. <laughs> it's just that is so De Palma, man. He got lucky to do that first one, but they, they went and changed that to a more smart kind of uh, yeah, different like, thing. Once they, the, they followed Born Identity. Yeah, I was just going to say, once Born Identity came like, oh, out, shit, it, it gotta, raised the level yeah, big which time. which is great. Yeah, which is great. It's good for everybody because it's it was now it wasn't so much it was now it was spy stuff yeah they it added so a lot like of oceans 11 stuff there was some campy stuff in that original just because that was the show you know it had mm. that music you had him like blowing across that uh, when he was in that tunnel when they were flying that helicopter in the tunnel and yeah. everything like it, you wouldn't be able to do that in the other ones they made it a lot more realistic like you said like the born movies but i'm excited i don't know how many more movies he does you know we we left When's like last we left did? like six or seven of, of major ones off here how long goes this um, I'm not sure. Let me see here real quick. Uh, yeah, yeah, tell us about something. <laughs> right, have you watched any of the Jeopardy with the... Does he have a new host? Yeah, they, they're calling him a guest host. It's Ken uh, Jennings. I heard they were going to uh, have uh, Katie Kirk do one, and they were going to have... Howie Long? Uh, no. They were going to have somebody that was seen well, very outside the box. The one that I really wanted, because they're doing guest hopes till they can find until a permanent guy. find a guy. Uh, and he's not bad because he's been on Jeopardy so long. It's just weird hearing his voice. Other than that, it's yeah. we've watched every one. Is we're a, we're Jeopardy a, junkies. Is he a smart, smart ass like uh, was? Sort he of? has his moments and everything. He's like, a smart oh, ass on Twitter, You should have known that. No, uh, you were thinking of Louis the Fifteenth. Really, Black Dahlia is his big movie, yeah. that it, and he's got I a couple that. movies. I wanted coming it out. to be better. Yeah, the story I wanted it to was... be better. Same with Femme Fatale. It was good. It had some Brian De Palma stuff in it. No, but anyways, going back to your Jeopardy question, they, uh, I think they want to get um, uh, who's the guy who played the Reading Rainbow guy? Oh. Uh, um, Jody LaForge yeah. mm-hmm. uh, the guy from Star Trek yeah the guy from Star Trek and yeah. he says he would be honored to do it and he's awesome because when it comes down to Ken it's the voice it's, his voice seems a little strange reading yeah. those questions and I think uh, LeVar, Burt, LeVar, LeVar Burton Burton. if they get him to be the permanent thing boom I'd be thrilled but they've got a lot of people they can put in there as guest hosts until they decided to go with them too yeah. so uh, but yeah, Brian De Palma. Go check out some Brian De Palma movies, man. I even it, it's exciting just to talk about these movies because now I want to go back and watch Carlito's Way and Blow Out Again. You and, can't. And no, I can't. You man. already. I own, I own nope. that shit. It's over. <laughs> uh, we got some exciting stuff coming up. Hopefully, everyone enjoyed our Alien, uh, our in-depth Alien. We had six movies. We talked two hours and twenty minutes. Really? About. It was in-depth, man. We kind of get lost with ourselves uh, when is we it, do those. Does it match the quadrilogy? Yeah, the 67 hours? No, yeah. not, we're not there. You can add it to it after you watch the 67 hours special to, features. It's actually 69 hours. <laughs> yeah, 20 go. minutes because you got to include fascinating you gotta, films. you got to do it, man. It. I think we did a good uh, representation of uh, the franchise. Well, me and Justin next week are going to do Predator, man. So if you're interested in the Predator, which is Predator 1, 2, then Predator versus Alien, and then Predator is the Robert Rodriguez on one. every word that you guys talk about. And I hope they do a sequel to that last Predator movie. I'd really be disappointed. The one with Boyd Holbrook. They really need to do it. If they don't do one, I'm going to be disappointed. Uh, but then after that, uh, we're going to do two different wildcard episodes. We're going to do one with me and Dave. Where we're going to hit a bunch of uh, cool wildcard movies uh, that we're going to keep secret from each other. Or Plague at least, Dog. At least I'll keep secret. What's that? Plague Dog. Plague Dog? Yeah. Come, no, I'm coming back to Plague Dog. Oh, Plague Dogs. Uh, we, that, that could be like a one We didn't do thing. Watership Down. That's the other guy's movie. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's uh, John, John Updike. Yeah. It's the same guy that did Plague oh, Dog. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know he That's not as traumatic, is it? No. Watership Down? Because I remember the book, that John Updike book. It's not as but, 
No. Is it Upton Sinclair or John Updike? I think it's John oh. Updike. Uh, anyways, <laughs> so I'm gonna do, we're gonna do a wild card. Me and Justin are doing wild card. Then me and Dave are gonna do a method actress uh, uh, pod, and we got a whole bunch of fun ass stuff coming up. So be sure to join us if you want to get a hold of us. You can check us out on Fast. Um, where, where are we? We are on Facebook under Fascinated <laughs> with Films. You can see all our cool pictures. You can check out our different platforms, which is SoundCloud and iTunes. You can leave us a like or comment, or you can shoot us an email: fascinatedwithfilms at gmail and we will be sure to get back to we you. We definitely will. Definitely will. All right. But until next week, see ya. Bye. I ain't going back to prison no matter what. Yeah.